0: Originally from London, but also lived um, as a student in Newcastle. Anyone from Newcastle here? No? Newcastle's great. And then I moved to Israel for two years and I worked as a Christian missionary in Israel. And then I moved to Nottingham and I've been here about 10 years now. And uh, here in Nottingham, I had a career as an architect, uh, mainly designing large shopping centers. So if you don't like those, I'm really sorry. <laughs> and I did that for about um, seven years and then I changed career to work here full time at Trent. Um, so I'm married to my wonderful wife, Lizzie, and we had our first baby boy about eight months ago, little Samuel. So our home is full of joy and noise and various bodily fluids, as well as odd, the odd sleepless night. Um, my role here at Trent, it covers evangelism, discipleship um, and newcomers, but today we're particularly focusing on um, evangelism and sharing your faith" is the title of the seminar. And in the NLC program, it's, it's sort of being given a description as a workshop. And the reason is we're going to have like a practical component that you're going to be invited to come on, which will go into the next seminar session as well. And that will be putting what we've learned into practice out on the streets today, if you're up for doing that with us. Um, and we'll make sure you're back in time for seminar three. Um, but obviously that's up to you if you want to come and do that in session um, two. So we'll be back by about 4.30 if you come out into the, in, onto the streets. And... Um, Maybe you're a leader in evangelism already, or perhaps you've come here feeling kind of like inexperienced and desperate for some new ideas in, in your context. But either way, I'm sure um, most of us can relate to the following words to do with sharing your faith. Um, awkward, fearful, challenging, it's risky, sometimes a bit clumsy, uncertain, and just a vague feeling of guilt as well sometimes. One of our Discipleship Year group John Delaney, he wrote about his feelings when he went out on one of our street sort of ministry things, and these are his words on the day he was going to do it. Today I'm scheduled to do Jesus at the door as a way of sharing my faith on the streets of Nottingham. I've got an ache in my stomach and a deep sense of being unprepared. It seemed a good idea when I first agreed to it, but not now. Why can't it be left to gifted evangelists, to those who wake up every day bursting to tell strangers about Jesus, not like me? I'd rather cut the lawn or browse the internet. Three hours later, and I'm on the tram heading into town. I'm still nervous, and I'm wondering if the rain is going to get worse. Hopefully, it will all be over in less than two hours. Maybe if the weather worsens, it will even be called off. I comfort myself with that thought and think which coffee shop I will visit instead. And yet, I still pray hard for God to lead me by his spirit. And despite the challenges... I'm personally convicted that intentionally sharing our faith is something Jesus has called each and every one of us to engage with as as we follow him. And it's something we see all over the scriptures. Jesus' last words um, in Matthew's gospel, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. And the Apostle Paul famously says in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. And he continues in Romans 10, How can anyone believe in Jesus unless they hear about him? So how beautiful are the feet of those who bring that good news. And in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them, and he has given this message, this wonderful message of reconciliation to us. What an amazing thing. And there's countless other examples from the Bible, aren't there, that we could mention if we had time. And I've been attempting to share my faith ever since I started following Jesus about 20 years ago, and in those days I dread to think how I came across, especially as I got into arguments with my two brothers about Jesus, and I I'm, I'm look back and I shudder to think what I must have been like and um, being really dogmatic or headstrong, failing to listen well. And I still feel like I've got a lot to learn. So I'm not sharing today as a particular expert, but as someone who's still wanting to grow and realizing I need to be intentional about that. But despite the challenges, sharing my faith has at times genuinely been an adventure. And I like a picture of surfing a wave, if anyone is a surfer or has done surfing or bodyboarding, it's that moment when the wave's power just kind of just surges through you and you're riding that power that's not your own back to the beach. It's such a buzz. And don't get me wrong, it's not like every time I decide to talk about Jesus, I feel this amazing superpower take over. But despite feelings of weakness and fear... And reluctancy, sometimes I've consistently seen God's power work through me when I've gone for it, a bit like when you catch a wave. So, for example, in in about July 2018, I was in the city center with with my friend Mark, and we were looking for opportunities to to chat to people about Jesus using this tool we'll share later, which some of you might have heard of called Jesus at the Door. So we were holding this card up, looking for people to chat to, and there's a script on the back we're going to train in a, a little bit later. And uh, I said um, to, I saw a guy wearing headphones, walk past a really tall dude, and um, I said, excuse me, can I ask you a question? And he stopped, and he took his one headphone off, and he was like, what, what, what do you want? And I said, have you ever seen this picture before, and do you pray? And he said, I've never seen that picture before, but I do, yeah, actually, I do pray, I do pray. And I said, this is a picture of Jesus knocking on the door of your heart, but the handle is on the inside. And if, if only you can let him in. Only you can let him in. Lots of people pray, but praying sometimes like talking through a door that's shut. You know he's there somewhere, but you don't know him personally. And I said to the guy, does that make sense? And he was like, yeah, I relate to that. And then I said, if you had a bag on your back and it was filled with all your sins, this is all on the card, by the way, all the stuff I'm saying now. If you had a bag on your back and it was filled with your sin, would it be heavy? And he, he looked at me and he said, yeah, I'd need, I'd need more than one bag. It would be really, really heavy. And uh, I explained that bag, the stuff in the bag, was like a debt with, with God. But Jesus had come to pay that debt and wipe away the barrier. So I then said, if Jesus was here right now, would you let him in? And he said, yes. So I carried on. Think about the wind. Can you see the wind? You can't see the wind, can you? But can you feel it? And he was like, yeah, I can feel the wind. And I said, Can we pray right now that you would feel Jesus in this moment? And he was like, Sure, go for it. What 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 could go wrong? So we prayed there for Jesus to touch his life. And as we did, clearly that the Lord was doing something. And after we prayed, we checked in and said, How are you feeling? And he said, I feel like the time like last week when I prayed to Jesus when I was in the bath. I was hit rock bottom in my life. I was in a really dark place. And I cried out to Jesus while I was having a bath, and I felt like just something came into the room, just something happened in the room, and I felt like Jesus was there. And what you've just done there is the same as what I felt in the bath. And I was like, that's, that, that's, so, that's amazing. Would you like just to invite Jesus to come into your life, to come into your heart right now with us on the street? And he said, yes, he would. So we prayed together, and we had the joy of then leading him to Jesus in that moment. And since then, we've, got, we, we've become good friends, and... and and, and Tom has come along to Trent, and recently he got, he got baptised, which was amazing, a real joy. And um, he's here today, so we're going to have... Well, Tom, Tom, come come up, Tom. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, mate. Great to see, nice to see you. Was that about what it was like, the story? Yeah. <laughs> we want to hear from your... Can we yeah. sh- grab grab the mic, mate? And from from your perspective, Tom, I sh- shared from my perspective when me and Mark met you. Yeah. How, was it, how was it from your perspective and that journey of what you know, leading up to that uh, moment?
1: Personally, I think it was a bit more extreme from my, my point of view, because um, it's my life, really. Um, going back uh, a month before I met Ben, uh, I was approached by a street preacher, and he actually, I stopped still and just thought I needed to listen to it, and I did. And he saw me and he called me over And he says, if you were to die tomorrow, where are you going to go? And I said, hell, because that's what I believed. And he says, you need to let Jesus invite him into your heart, and you need to repent for all all your sins. And he gave me a book, and it was the Gospel of Mark. And I went home, didn't read it, stuck it in the drawer, and things were getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And now going back from a week before I met Ben, I was actually in the bath, thinking about taking my own life, and I broke down in tears, just, Jesus, I need your help, and then instantly. i would never experienced anything like that in my life, and he was there, and I cried tears of joy, and it was just, it was amazing. Uh, but I asked one specific thing, I was like, I can't do this on my own. This is too hard to do on my own, so you need to send me some people. And then when I met Ben, like, pfft, like, this guy's been so much, means so much to me. like, he's a proper friend, like, right, yeah. yeah. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. No, <laughs>
0: thanks, mate. Thank you, yeah, let's, thank you, mate. Amazing. There's a lot of love in the room, because people who are interested in sharing their faith love to hear stories of people coming to faith, and so, yeah. th- thank you so much. And since then, like, you know, the journey, is, it's been amazing, but it's not always been completely straightforward, but like what? What kind of stuff have you found that you've has helped you connect here at, here at Trent over the last however um, eighti- eighteen months or something?
1: Yeah, so it's just the people. Like, I've had family say, "Oh, you're joining a cult," you know, and it's put things in your head. But you're like, "No, no, I'm not." I'm like, "This is this is me. This is what I'm doing. This is what I believe in." And I, c- I come and did a load of different courses. Uh, one course that I realised was the power to change course. <coughs> That just helped me so much, you know. There was times on that where I, I woke up in the morning thinking, "Oh no, I'm not, I'm not doing this today." But then there was the part of me where it's like, "No, you need to go and do this today." You know, you need this, so I'll come along. And you know, it's been it's been hard, but and getting baptized, that was a
0: a big night as well, wasn't it? Amazing. Oh,
1: it was amazing. Yeah, just coming out of the water, clean. <laughs> Yeah. If you've not been baptised, I said, yes, you do. (laughs) 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 That's brilliant. Yeah. um,
0: And like, you know, looking forwards and where you are now, what kind of impact? By the way, Tom's a chef. He's a chef in a local pub. um, And uh, what what kind of impact has, has Jesus had on on your life? You know, if you could sum it up in a
1: ironic, Claire. I don't. I don't know if people are here from Nottingham, but I was the head chef at the trip to Jerusalem, which is one of its kind. And actually, he made me take a trip to the Holy Land. Um, so to speak, you know, I was more or less in purgatory. You know, I was dying, it was horrible. Uh, but he sent some good people along to help me. Um, I ended up having to leave that job because I didn't feel that it was right for me. I could sense a lot of, a lot of bad presences, bad spirits, and you know, smelling sulfur there. and all sorts of weird spiritual happenings. And eventually, through the process of coming along here, you know, we prayed for, for me to get a new job. And I got this new job, and I thought, okay, everything's gone quiet. Am I in the right place? Um, so I prayed, like, Lord, can you show me if I'm in the right place or not? And then for a week, um, kept telling me to go and look at this wall. I was like and I did. I went and looked at the wall, and there's a picture of the street street preacher who called me over, uh, and he's holding a a plaque, and it says uh, Romans chapter five verse six: Christ died for the ungodly. So amazing. Yeah, Thanks I knew so that much, was Tom. a that was a sign. That was that another was sign. a sign, definitely. Yeah.
0: So thank you so much, Tom. Let's give him a clap and just. Um, <laughs> And I'm so excited for what God has for Tom's future, the extraordinary journey he's been on already, and I think it's only the beginning, and God loves him so much and has just got so much planned for him. So yeah, God bless you, mate. Thank you so much. And it's not only, uh, not only Tom, though. Our, our ministry teams out in the streets have seen something like 40 or 50 people um, respond to Jesus in a similar way, asking him to come in, into their hearts over the last year. And some of those have come along to Trent, and, and about three or four have got baptised, but some of the, some of them we 've kind of lost lost touch with, and it 's kind of sad and, and and you know disappointing when when that happens, um, but we 're learning more about kind of follow up all the time and we 've learned really that um, personal follow up is by far and away the best and most effective way to stay connected to someone on the street so before we had like a centralized admin system and cards being filled out, and like someone else would get the card, and then they 'd ring up and text or whatever and we found actually none of that really worked ever at all. By far, in the best best way was really pursuing people personally that we'd met. So obviously, we need a bit of wisdom with that, so we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that with people under the age of 18, and we'd encourage guys, follow-up guys, women, follow-up women, that kind of thing, just sensible guidelines. But you know, sometimes we need to pursue people way beyond what we'd feel is normally socially acceptable in terms of texting and calling and just checking in, how are you doing, so sometimes I'd text people, you know, maybe five, six, seven, eight times without a response. And I think this can't be good. And then the, la- like the ninth time, it'd be like, oh, hey, how are you doing? Let's catch up for a coffee and talk more about faith. So, you know, there's something that we're learning there, and I'm learning. But we've also seen Jesus' parable of the sower in action and the evil one, you know, snatching away the word that we've shared. And there's a spiritual battle going on for, for every person. But Jesus has the victory, and Jesus has all the power, so we put our trust in him. And we trust God that we'll continue to care and work in the people we've lost touch with. Sometimes we don't get a glimpse, do we, of what happens in the years ahead. One lady, for example, who's now on a discipleship year here at Trent, randomly and completely randomly met John Mumford, um, John Mumford and, and Ellie Mumford, and she met him at a car boot sale near here about seven years ago, and John, he, John Mumford shared Jesus with her in that moment. It was about 8 o'clock in the morning, and she was setting up a stall at the boot sale, and he shared Jesus with her and prayed with her, and she had a profound experience of the Holy Spirit in that moment and invited Jesus into her heart. And on that morning, before he left, John told her about Trent, and he encouraged her, come along to this church, this place called Trent Vineyard. But they didn't swap any contact details, and despite best intentions at the time, she never made it here. She didn't come. Now, seven years later she came along and reconnected here one Sunday morning and is now thriving in her faith here. And she finally got to meet John Mumford again a couple of weeks ago when he came to preach, and they kind of had this reunion thing. And he'd, totally, he'd like totally forgotten about it, but he just about could remember when they, when they met again. So it helps me, this kind of story, trust God with the many times that we see something happen in that moment, but then we don't know what happens afterwards. And that Jesus is really caring for and looking after people in that situation that we we, we have no control over. But on the other hand, we're learning more and more to do our best to pursue those that we can keep in contact with. Um, And uh, one thing's for sure, without God's help and empowerment, there's no way that any of us would see anything happen. So the best thing, I think, is just to rely on him for all of it. And Jesus said, didn't he, apart from me, you can't do anything. But if we remain in him... He says, we'll bear much fruit. And I think part of that fruit is, is seeing people around us in our lives coming to know him. So as well as personally remaining close to Jesus, I want to just suggest today that the, the kind of power for our sharing of our faith, it rests on three main components, like three legs of a stool. First, it's the power of the gospel. Secondly, it's the power of the Holy Spirit. And thirdly, it's our willing obedience to, to just get involved and catch a wave. So firstly, the power of the gospel. The gospel, we all know, don't we? It says that God loves you. The gospel says that Jesus died for each and every one of us to wash our sins away. The gospel says Jesus carried all our guilt, all our shame, so we could be set free. The gospel has the power to break every chain, to restore our brokenness, to bring us into eternal life. And the gospel is the message of who Jesus is and what he has done and what it means right now for every person. And the gospel is good news, but it also has this great power that thankfully has nothing to do with us. And that's why we can share with one person the gospel when it has a profound impact, and another person, and it, it is almost like water off a duck's back. Because the power is there, but it's the receptivity. So our words could be just this, exactly the same, and it's really the Lord who has the power in that moment. And the Jesus at the door tool, we'll do a training on that in a minute, it's great because it gives a gospel outline on that card that you can just literally read through. But um, there are loads of ways to do it, aren't there? Loads of tools out there. And the best thing is just to to be prepared, um, uh, be prepared as we can be. Secondly, the power of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 verse 8 says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And uh, when Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2, he's completely transformed, isn't he? He's empowered. He preaches his first sermon. 3,000 people come to Jesus immediately. And in other words, I like to think of it like Peter caught his, he caught a massive wave, basically, in that moment of the Holy Spirit. And um, the Holy Spirit didn't only give him courage to speak, but also worked in the hearts of the crowd who listened. And God hasn't changed the same Holy Spirit who filled Peter fills us with courage and boldness, and he helps people who hear uh, the good news respond too. And I'm not saying we should all be expecting 3,000 people to come to faith every day, but that would be awesome. But we, we, we can't drum this up in our own efforts. The power rests on him, on the Holy Spirit. And we can cultivate like a posture of reliance and trusting to be filled with the Holy Spirit, seeking to join in with what he's already doing. And finally, just like surfing, in order to catch a wave, you've got to be willing to dip your toe in the water and have a go. So there are many reasons that we might hang back. We might feel afraid, <coughs> afraid of people's reactions. Sometimes if I'm doing this Jesus at the door tool, like, I haven't counted like, what the, my world record is yet, but it might be up to 20 or 25 people in a row saying, no, I'm not interested. Just as you say, excuse me, can, can I ask you a question? No, no, no. So in a sense, there's a, rea- a, re- a rejection that you bear when you su- sort of do sharing your faith in any context, but particularly out with strangers on the streets. It might be you feel unprepared or nervous, and hopefully some of these tools will help with that. It might be that we're just really busy with life and it's difficult to squeeze in a conversation like, you know, busy schedules and that kind of thing. And I can relate to all these, all, all those things, but I just get that sense that God is calling us to go and get in the water nonetheless. So just looking a bit more practically, there's loads of models for evangelism, aren't there? And here at Trent, we we do quite a few. So there's like invitational evangelism, things like Alpha, things that you might might run in your (laughs) churches too. Friendship evangelism are brilliant things. Servant evangelism, where we might just have compassion in some way, Practical compassion and and be able to reach out for people that way. Power evangelism. We run a thing called Healing on the Streets, which is more about praying for people to be healed. Um, More direct gospel evangelism. All these different models. And I like to think of them like whoever here has played top trumps. You know, you get your top trump card, and it has, like, strengths and weaknesses, all that kind of stuff. And I think the different models of evangelism, they all naturally have these different strengths and weaknesses attached to them. We might have, like, our favorite models, the ones we feel really passionate about. We might have ones that we're not so sure about. But, yes? So we had uh, invitational evangelism, which is like alpha or something like that. Um, Social events, those kind of things. Servant evangelism, where it's like compassion projects or, or some kind of meeting a need with people. Power evangelism, which is like focused on seeing God do a miracle breaking into someone's life and then sharing Jesus with people on the back of that direct kind of evangelism where we're proclaiming the gospel to people Um, friendship evangelism just building up relationships with our neighbors community that kind of thing Um, and yeah, a bit like top trump cards as I said and um, some I think are easier to engage with but as leaders I think we should probably be aware of kind of all of them, so we can support people as they have their different giftings and different ones that they prefer, um, just just to, to get involved with whichever ones people feel, you know, led to. And my general philosophy is I try and keep super positive about all of them because I think evangelism is hard enough already without us being hard on each other as we're doing different things to try and have a go. And Jesus does warn us, doesn't he, that people will reject us as we go out and try and share our faith. And ultimately, they, they, you know, in some way will be rejecting him too. So I think let's just be encouraging about any creative efforts. We have any new ideas for evangelism. Just think, just have a go. Just go for it. At least we, at least we gave it a try. And if it is a complete car crash, we'll know at least that's one model we won't use. But we'll be moving cl- closer to a genius new one that will be amazing. And... Um, I think overall, though, the different evangelism models, they're all good in these different ways, but I think they should always be considered as kind of supplementary to the core of sharing our faith, and that is the good news about Jesus and having the opportunity, having people the opportunity just simply to respond to him. So sharing our faith can, can be more than just telling people about Jesus, but it's never less than that. So sharing our faith, it can be more than just telling telling people about Jesus. All these different creative, practical ideas, everything is brilliant like that. But it's never less than that. And um, just in terms of um, here at Trent, we're just going to look at a couple of different ones we use here, different models we use here. And a few of the guys from the different teams have come today, which is awesome, to help explain some of those models. So um, first um, is healing on the street. Mark Marks from Causeway Coast, amazing model um, for people just to be prayed for, where there's chairs out in, in like your town center. There's like a big banner that says healing. And then there's a, just a gentle invitation for people to come, sit at a chair and receive, receive prayer for healing in their life. And we've, seen, we've been doing this for about 10 years now, once a month on a Saturday. And, and Luke and Pete here lead that team once a month. The second one is... This one called Jesus at the Door, who Luke and Jess lead that once a month on a Saturday on a different week. And that one is this card that we're going to do a more focused training on in a minute, so we can then head out and give it a try in Nottingham. And that's a card that really is about um, sharing the gospel. And uh, what we're going to do now is just hear from these guys. So first, I'm going to invite Pete to come. Um, Pete's brilliant. He's been... um, with us for a few years now, first came to Trent through doing Alpha, and then has just been really growing in all sorts of ways, and has recently become like a leader in the life of the church, and particularly leading Healing on the Streets with Luke. So, Pete, I just would love you to share a couple of stories, because one of the reasons I wanted to interview Pete today is not only does he lead Healing on the Streets in a sort of um, routine kind of once a month thing, but also in his workplace, he's been seeing God break out in healing and that kind of thing. So I'd love you, Pete, just to share a couple of stories um, from your workplace. Pete's a welder and um, just love to hear a couple of stories about what God's been doing in that Hello. space.
2: Yeah, so I'll start with the, um, the first story that like, sort of kicked off like a wave of, of healings. Um, I just got to work and I was making my way to my welding bay <clears throat> and one of the, the guys called Dan was walking towards me with like a severe limp in, in lots of pain. And I immediately was like, Dan, what's wrong? What have you done? And he said the previous night, I don't know what he was doing, the previous night he had um, popped his knee out. And and I felt prompted right then to pray uh, for healing, but I sort of let the opportunity go. And I went to my welding bay, and I was... It must have been like the next hour. I was sort of beating myself up, saying, Pete should have prayed. Why have you let this opportunity go? And it's funny because um, during that time, he was actually walking to and fro, along the workshop, across my bay, limping. Obviously, it seemed like he was teasing me, or God was teasing me. <laughs> and every time I was like, will I do it? And it got to a point where I was like, I'm just going to do it. Um, and I shouted him in, and he came limping in. <laughs> um, and I said to him, is your knee not any better then? And he says, no. I, says, and I don't actually think he knew I was Christian at this point. And I says, would you mind if I pray for your knee, for healing? And he says, go on then, why not? So I got down on my knees and I started praying for his knee. Finished. And I said, try it out. And I'm sort of kneeling on my knees, looking up, like, please be amazing. (laughs) And he tries out. and He says, you know what? That feels a little bit better, actually. I said, oh, uh, the pain wasn't completely gone. So I said, well, let's try again. Um, So I started praying again. finished. And I says, how's that? And he says, oh, I felt quite a lot of heat that time. And it got a bit better again. So I said, well, let's go a third time then. (laughs) Um, And we prayed again, and this time he, like, could bend down on one knee, whereas before he could barely walk, so he was, like, completely healed. And I also got a picture at the end of that, which I shared with him, and and, and we prayed together, and he was completely, like, flabbergasted. Like, he didn't know what to say. The reaction on his face was just a bit, like, in shock. Um, Yeah, so he went about his day after that. (laughs) Fine, and completely healed, and he's fine to this day as well. Um, and I, I shared the next story is um, quite recently a girl um, called Sinead she came into my bay to ask to borrow a tool or something and she had a limp and so immediately I'm thinking something's wrong with her I want to pray for her <laughs> and I said what's wrong why are you limping she says oh I've got an ingrown toenail and I, I've been to the doctors this week and they say they need to surgically remove it it's like oh no well I'm a Christian and I believe that God heals. Um, and she was a bit like taken back a bit. And I shared a story um, about another guy at work who had his thumb healed. And she said, oh, I've got a bad thumb as well. And she told me a story of how she had like a, a scar across her thumb where she cut it with a Stanley blade and it cut tendons. And she had restricted movement in this thumb. Um, I said, well, let's pray. She, she's like, oh, do you think if you pray now then, then I'll be healed? And I says, well, we can try. So uh, I can't remember which one I prayed for first, maybe a thumb. And then, by the way, the doctors said that you, you're going to have restricted movement for the rest of your life. So I started praying for a thumb, thanking the Lord for her, for her life. Um, and I said, how's that? And she could move the thumb, whereas before it was sort of like limited movement, couldn't really bend it. She could move it all the way across her hand. She could bend it. And she was completely amazed. I said, let's try your toe then so i got down and started praying for her foot um and finished she felt heat i think um and she said when i'd finished she could sort of feel the sharpness of the toenail a bit but the pain was completely gone and she started like walking around in my bay couldn't feel any pain she didn't need to limp and she was completely amazed and the next day she came in um and she said the the sharpness is completely gone the pain's completely gone and where her toenail had actually been infected in her toe, like all the infection had gone. And I actually have photos of that as well. Um, and the funny thing is that happened on a Monday. She came in on the Tuesday. On the Wednesday, she was going to the, uh, to the hospital as like a pre-op thing to get her toenail removed. And I said, are you still going to go? And she says, well, yeah, because I'm sort of booked in. And I says, well, you can tell them what happened then, can't you? And she was a bit like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, I missed all the important She actually became Christian. <laughs> yeah sorry i haven't told the story for a little while so after so it was when she'd been healed i says do you feel like you want to respond you know jesus died for you she had the gospel with me she was like yeah yeah i'd love to so i think it was the wednesday night before she went that we prayed and she received uh, jesus and forgiveness and so then she went to the doctors and the doctor was just didn't know what to say because she the doctor did the doctor's words, toes just don't heal this quickly. Um, yeah, so a miracle. Amazing. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: And finally, Pete, just in terms of leading Healing on the Streets and, and trying to see others equipped in that gift, what, what would you say some of the benefits are for people thinking about you know, setting up a Healing on the Streets or some kind of ministry like that in their mm. context?
2: I think for me personally, I, I just... I never feel as close to God as when I'm doing what he's asking me to do and reaching out to people who are hurt and need him. So to be a part of what Jesus is doing amongst people that don't know him just just fills me with something that I've never been filled with in my whole life. And that's what keeps me going and keeps me doing this because I just love to see him break through in these people's lives, I really do. Yeah.
0: Brilliant, thanks so much, mate. Excellent. Excellent. So today we've looked at. Excuse me. Excuse me. Yes. Can we, yeah. Of course. I mentioned before um, when you were talking about women contact women. Yes. And men. In your illustration about following somebody up eight or nine times, it was a girl. No, it was a guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, and um, the example that we've just had was a girl. Yes. Yes. So that if there is a girl and a guy that are going to minister together, then you could minister to a man or a woman together. Um, yeah. And then how do you follow up? Do you have um, a card like one of the ladies from the state? Yes you gave to somebody? Yes, that those... are Yeah. From the or? Great question. So I'll do the first one about men and women and h- how that conversation goes. Mixed teams are great because you can chat to uh, any gender and in that sense, follow up is, is fine because either one of you can take the lead on that. Um, what we 'd suggest is I think some sensible guidelines to people, but then realizing that God sometimes works outside the box, so Jesus you know met the woman at the at the well, obviously, and there 's you know precedent of him not caring about who he 's talking to in regard to gender, but we just like to give sensible guidelines, especially as leaders leading um, team and, and just to be be sensible really so we would we would say um, if you're in a pair that's purely guys or purely girls probably the best thing is just to meet people of the same gender because then the follow-up process is much more straightforward because the thing that probably we wouldn't recommend and it wouldn't be appropriate would be just a single guy starting to just text a single woman you know over, over text for a s- sort of extended period of time so we would we would in that regard say just out of on that basis it will make more sense for the guys to meet the guys and the girls to meet the girls Because then, if we go down the route of personal follow up, which is the second part of the question, we recommend the best way to do follow up is to exchange phone numbers right then and there. So, not make it about like, you know, obviously, say we're from a church, but it's not going to become like a centralized church admin process. It's just you've met that person, so you're responsible for, you know, connecting in whatever way you feel comfortable to do in that moment. So, we're trying to empower teams to think through have I got enough time? Have I got the resources? You know, am I comfortable with having that kind of relationship with someone that I've met just on the street? And just for people to be empowered to make the the kind of right decision in that. So, if anyone's not sure, we would encourage them: don't exchange numbers. You know, don't do it. It's, it's, It's for you to be comfortable and discern in that moment. Is this someone that you you know you want to catch up with again and would feel comfortable doing that? If not, then we'd just have like a like a church card that says where we are. So in that sense, we'd just say, oh, why don't you just take this card away um, or why Jesus or whatever, or this business card we'll give you later, which has got the church details and the website on. And why don't you just come along on a Sunday and I, you know, hopefully I'll bump into you there or whatever. So you've got sort of got various levels you can go to. And we're trying to, I suppose, empower people on the team to make those kind of decisions for themselves, if that makes sense. Great. That's no, a great question. Um, So we've looked today at these three components of sharing our faith. But just to finish with from me, I want to just pick up that story with John Delaney, who was really nervous going out onto the streets to do this ministry time. And he reflected on what happened. And he says, 45 minutes later, I've had two separate, long and meaningful conversations about Jesus with people. One person is willing to receive prayer. Another we invite to church and their eyes are open wide to the truths of the Bible they're both animated and excited. They're grateful for what we've told them. And I, too, feel fulfilled, and I feel at the center of God's purposes. I remember, it's not about my, um, it, I remember it's about availability and simple, nerve-filled obedience. It's not about my skills or confidence. I found I've actually volunteered to do it again, and I'll still be nervous and ill-prepared, but God will show up, and I don't want to miss out. And uh, now as we just um, prepare a bit for anyone who's going to be coming out onto the streets, and we'd love as many as you want, uh, uh, as are up for that, to do that, uh, we're just going to have a practical training to finish this seminar um, with Luke and Jess. So why don't you guys come? These guys are brilliant. Um, Luke's like a scientist, and Jess is training to be a lawyer, and they are fantastic leaders here at Trent, and they lead um, a monthly team through the Jesus at the door card in particular. So over to you guys. Thank
3: you. Thank you. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, we'd just like to start by sharing a couple of stories um, from our experience of sharing our faith using this card on the streets in Nottingham, and then um, we'll go through the tool together, if that's all right. Um, uh, just before we start, can we see how many of you are, are already familiar with, with this tool or have used it before for evangelism? Okay, cool. So quite a few of you. And how many of you have done kind of street evangelism but with something other tool or some other technique or something? Okay, cool, great. So maybe you guys are already experts, um, but <coughs> we'll just share kind of our experience and you can take take what you like um, from it. So the, the tool itself is based on a, a quote in, uh, in Revelation, which I'll just read. Here I am, this is Jesus speaking, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person uh, and they with me.
4: So we started getting involved in Jesus at the Door around November 2018. We had just come back from eight months of backpacking around the world, and we met lots of missionaries out there who really inspired us. They were sharing their faith in countries where Christianity is persecuted, like China. Um, and they were doing it so boldly and um, learning Chinese, for example, to get over the anguish barrier. And as soon as we came back from that, we thought, well, when we have the freedom to share our faith and we have the language to be able to, um, we just felt really called cool to to get involved. Neither of us feel that speaking to s- random strangers on the street on a Saturday morning is within our comfort zone. Um, I'm really introverted and I'm, I'm very comfortable just being on my own and, and spending quiet time. So this is definitely outside of my comfort zone, but it is a constant reminder of our dependency on God. Um, it's... Yeah, it's our dependency on God for his encouragement, for perseverance in the face of rejection. And whenever someone prays to follow Jesus or even when other people hear the gospel, it's incredibly rewarding. I think that word like fulfilling comes to mind. Also, someone, um, a bus driver, shared the gospel with me six years ago. And that was a really big thing in me becoming a Christian six years ago. So um, every time we go out to do Jesus at the Door, we have stories of amazing conversations um, with people who we'd normally never get the chance to speak to. So um, for me, it's always amazing how many people will stop on the street. So if you've done it before, you're thinking, well, I can't believe this person's actually like stopping in the middle of their day to listen to me share the gospel with them. Um, So many people express their gratitudes at um, being prayed for, or some people say, I really needed to hear that right now when we've shared the gospel. One morning, um, there was just three of us on the team, out on the streets, and in the space of 20 minutes, four people prayed to follow Jesus, and that included a mum and her nine-year-old daughter. Um, one story more recently was at the Course to Live For conference. Um, there was an evangelism seminar there, and a lot of us went out to Market Square. Uh, we'd planned to stop at 4.40 to get back in time for the Course to Live For dinner, and um, yeah, 4.40 came around, and we looked at the time, and we felt that God was saying, just speak to two more people each. The first person that we spoke to was a lady called Sarah. Her best friend goes to Trent Vineyard, but she'd never prayed before and she'd never been to church. Um, We went through the cards, and when we gave her an opportunity to pray to feel Jesus' presence, she said she felt peaceful and nice. And actually, she went through the whole card and prayed to follow Jesus. What really struck us, actually, about her experience was when she said in her own words that it was for her... um, she just had these words that came to mind: "When the student is ready, the teacher appears." Um, and we just don't know where people will be at with their faith. And so, just going out there on the streets and being obedient to God's calling, um, just through doing that, we might be in a situation where we're bringing the gospel at just the right time.
3: There was a guy, um, a couple guys on our team met uh, not long ago, and uh, they were praying about, you know, God, who who should I talk to? And one of them felt like there was a guy sort of walking away from them. It was like that's the guy we need to speak to. So they ran after him and um, shared, went through this tool, sort of sharing the gospel with him. He uh, he was really interested. He just come just come out of prison. He um, he had goosebumps sort of all <laughs> over his skin uh, as they prayed for him. Um, yeah, and he committed his life to Jesus on the streets. Then the next day he came into church at Trent. Um, he was in tears throughout the worship. Um, it was just, yeah, it was really amazing. And um, we can also, I wanted to share, we can also be an encouragement to people whatever stage in, in their journey they're at. So that guy obviously had come to faith sort of through that. But there was a guy we met recently, me and another a lady from our team, met a guy on the streets who had, um, he'd recently been approached by some Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, actually, on different times, um, sitting in a park. And uh, they'd prompted him to start reading the Bible uh, and praying. And so we did start reading the Bible, um, but while reading it, he became convicted that both of them had uh, had completely misunderstood it. Um, <laughs> so, so, so he told, told them that, that they were wrong, and um, <laughs> even though he only j- just started reading it. And then he said, instead, he wanted to become a Christian. Um, and then we bumped into him not long after that and started going through this tour with him. And he said, oh, you know, actually, I've recently become a Christian. I, I've started reading the Bible." He ta- shared his story with us. And we thought, that's amazing. Um, but he, he said he didn't have anyone to talk to it about, really. No one he could find we wanted to talk to him about Jesus or about the stuff he was reading, other than stuff he could find online. Um, and so we invited him along to, to Trent. He was quite interested. We got chatting. I've met up with him a few times for coffee since then. Uh, he now he comes along almost every Sunday and um, is trying out a small group, um, which is amazing. I mean, he'd obviously just become a Christian, but still we could be there at the right, right stage of his journey. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
4: So, yeah, the last story quickly before we go into just going through the tool um, is that on my very first time out on the streets a year ago um, it wasn't actually through this tool but I had an interesting conversation on the um, on the streets of a lady we're doing healing on the streets actually and she felt like lots of things in her life were pointing her pointing her to God at the time and our conversation was yet another one of these timely things I honestly didn't think anything more of the conversation and three months later she texted me we did exchange numbers. And three months later, she texted me to say she was getting baptized here at Trent Vineyard. And she said that she felt our conversation on the street had been part of an answer to prayer. So we never know what God will do with our conversations. And even when we don't see the outcome straight away, like John Wright was saying yesterday, um, if you were here, we pray that we're just sowing seeds through every conversation.
3: Cool. So we'll go through the tool now. Um, we've got a bunch here. Just, just before we hand them out. Um, a bit what it's it works a bit like a, a guideline script for conversations, and um, with passers-by, you sort of go through it. There's a few questions that they can respond to as well. Um, and the important thing to remember, as Ben's already said, is that the power of God is not in the in the tool, but in the gospel message, um, as we saw with that quote from Romans earlier. Um, We're not dependent on this tool, um, nor are we suggesting that it's the only way to share the gospel. Um, Different ways might be appropriate, more or less formal um, in different contexts.
4: Mm. So, um, as some of you might know, there's four sections, so I'll go through it quickly. The first section is to engage the passerby, it's like a hook. Um, It's also for you to work out where the person is at in their faith. The second section is the gospel message shared through a really easy to understand picture. Um, The third section, gives the listener a chance to respond to the gospel and gives you a chance to pray for them to experience Jesus' presence. And the fourth section gives the listener a chance to respond um, to Jesus and for them to pray to follow Jesus. Yeah. So we'll just hand those, the cards out now Thank give you the practical tips that we've gained over the year.
3: Brilliant. Um, so we'll just go through uh, line by line um, and we'll add a few, a few comments. Uh, so first of all, the explain section. Have you seen this picture before? Oh, sorry, before we even say that, I always jump the gun. The first question we always ask is, can I ask you a question? Or um, well, excuse me, can I ask you a question, please? Um, we don't want to annoy people who are in a hurry um, or speak to those who are, n- are not willing to chat to us. Um, we want to find people who have the time to listen. So we'll always start with, can I ask you a question? And if they say no, you know, it's just, God bless you, have a great day, bye-bye. <laughs> um, and if they say yes, then then we'll continue Um So have you seen this picture before, and do you pray? Um, One thing we found quite helpful is that if someone says, no, they don't pray, um, we might ask, have you ever prayed in your life, Um, in an emergency, for example, or maybe when you were young, um, or when you were at school, or something like that? And often people will have some experience of prayer at some point in their life um, that they'll be able to relate to, Um, Yeah, perhaps when they're at school or something. Uh, And if they say yes, or if they seem responsive, then we'll carry on. this is Jesus knocking on the door of your heart, but the handle is on the inside, only you can let him in. Just before actually I go into that, I wanted to say if, if someone, if you ask them if they pray, and if they say no outright, and um if they appear to be a decided atheist, um and they, they're not at all interested, they've stopped but they're just not at all interested, then this card might not be the right one for them. Um and sometimes we'll ask, can we pray f- for anything else for you? Um or is there anything we can pray for? Um, rather than sort of just carrying on through the through the points. Um, if they don't look like they're going to engage with it at all. And the way that Scott, the guy who developed this tool, s- describes it is he says, the people on the streets are like apples on a tree. And we share the gospel, and the Holy Spirit shakes the tree, and, and we're looking for the apples that are ready to drop, not that people that are not at all ready or not at all interested. Yeah. Sorry. What was I? Yes. So lots of people pray, but praying is like talking through the door. You know he's there somewhere, but you don't know him personally. And then we have the gospel section. Visualize wearing a backpack. If we filled it with all your sin, would it be heavy? That represents your debt with God. It stops you from having a relationship with him. If you owed the bank 10,000 pounds and I give you a check for that amount and you deposited it into your account, what would happen to your debt? And they'll say, it'll be gone. you say, yay. (laughs) That's what Jesus did for you on the cross. He wrote you a check signed in his blood. Today, he's standing at the door of your heart wanting you to cash it in.
4: Um, just really quickly as well, in those questions, you can, if you want to link it up, you can just say, can I ask you another question? Um, if you in 10,000 pounds of debt, for example. The next section is the respond section. So it starts with, so if Jesus were here right now, would you want to let him in? We found so many times that when people have got to that point, they're like, yeah, or okay. Um, and we tell them, observe the wind. Can you see it? No, but you can feel it, right? Like the wind, we believe Jesus is here right now. Can we pray for you to feel Jesus' presence? At this point, sometimes you can see them, if you've had experience with this before, they're just like kind of shirk up. They might be a bit like, what's that about? And it's good to emphasize at that point. It's nothing weird. It's just a quick prayer on the street that Jesus would reveal his presence to you. <coughs> um, and if they say yes, and I ask them their name, and I introduce myself, um, and the prayer usually goes something like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for their name. Thank you that you love them. I pray that you'd make your presence known to whatever the name is, and that they would know your love for them. Amen. And then we ask them, did you feel anything? And very often, people will say they felt a warmth or a peace or tingling. Some people, they're just so, <coughs> it's such a joy to see how surprised they are when they're saying, yeah, it's weird, but I felt loved or something like that. If they feel nothing, we still say, that's fine. And we move on to the next question.
3: Which is? <laughs> now the last thing. To turn from the road you're on without Jesus... Change direction and follow him. Do you want to follow him? If they say no, we had a guy that Ben and I was speaking to recently said, no, this is far too big a decision for me to make right now. I need to think about this. I said, that's totally fine. <laughs> yeah. um, you can go and you can think about it. And we, have, um, we have booklets, Why Jesus booklets, church cards. You know, We might even exchange contact details at that point, uh, even if they don't want to make a decision then. And then we can sort of follow it up and see um, how, what they think about it if they start reading a bit more. Um, but if they say yes, then we'll lead them through the prayer section at the bottom, which I'll read out. Dear Lord Jesus, I open the door of my heart. I say sorry for my sin. I choose to follow you and make you the Lord of my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. And then after that, we'll uh, again ask them h- how they felt. Um, we'll celebrate, sort of encourage them, get to know them a bit. Um, then we'll do the exchanging details. As Ben said, the personal follow-up is usually best. Um, try to keep in tont- contact with them, invite them along to church on a Sunday, um, or if they're under 18, um, or we're not sure about whether we want to exchange details, we can fill out a contact card um, that we can hand into the church, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So is the
4: invite into
3: church Depends, I guess, what, um, how you feel in that moment. Sometimes, if it feels right, then we'll just say, yes, do you want to come along on a Sunday? Um and we're fortunate that the vineyard is a very accessible church in general, so it's not too difficult for people. But sometimes if they don't feel like that, that's too big a step, if you feel like that might be too big a step for them, then we might just ask them for coffee. Um, sometimes like then and there, you can say, are you free now for a coffee? Um, or you know, messages them in the week, are you free for a coffee meetup for that? Or coming along to a small group or trying an alpha course um, sort of separate from coming along on a Sunday. Um, would you do anything to that? No. I think personal yeah, discretion that. kind of thing.
4: Hmm. Um, Last bit's about safeguarding. So we usually go out in pairs. um, And, yeah, we stick together whilst we're going through the card. So we can encourage each other. Or if someone just, like, doesn't really know what to say, the other person might be prompted to say something. Um, And we try, yeah, we don't pray for people of the opposite sex on our own when we're out on the street with lots of people we don't know. Um, we have found that at times, um, certainly with me, uh, ladies who I've spoken to, they get really, really emotional when they hear the gospel or they get prayed for. And it's just great to be able to follow them up personally, um, without any sort of safeguarding issues to worry about. And we've often spoken to people who are under 18. So if you're unsure what age they are and they're under 18, then please don't exchange your number with them. Um, but we usually get them to fill out a contact card for Trent Vineyard in those cases.
3: I think that's pretty much everything we had to say. Um, yeah. Do you have any questions, guys, for us?
4: Yes? Just about your
1: own personal safety. Yeah. Uh, people who may appear that's okay, but are on drugs or drunk or whatever,
3: how do you handle those situations? That's a good question. Um, so we always go out in a group and we have like a base in, in Market Square, in Nottingham where there'll always be a couple of leaders hanging around in that area and they will be stopping people and chatting to people, but all the rest of the team always know that they're there. So if they have a, a conversation where they feel a bit intimidated or they're not really enjoying it, they can always sort of say, you know, I've I got a friend who'd love to talk to you and they can sort of lead that person over to us and we can have a conversation. Um, we've actually never had to, we haven't really ever had any, any difficulties with it because we're in quite a public location. And we have occasionally had, um, pairs of women who have been talking to a guy who's coming across a bit aggressively or, you know, a bit too physical or something, and then they'll just say, um, they'll call one of us over usually or another guy who's in a pair somewhere and say, oh, do you mind having a chat with this guy? I think um, that would be really helpful, and then we can sort of take it away from there. Um, Mm. But I don't think we've ever actually had to deal with any physical sort of violence or anything like that Um, on a Saturday morning. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Ben? No? Okay. Anything else? Sorry. Any other questions?
4: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so um fascinatingly that's only happened probably like ten percent of the time. So many people will say I've got lots of stuff in the backpack or some things. But actually one question we found quite useful is we'd say if they say, I've got nothing in the backpack, we'd say, nothing at all, not even, like, something. And, like, then another, like, 9% of that 10% will be like, oh, okay, I've got some things in there, like that. <laughs> um, and we just find, yeah, it's... <laughs> we find that, yeah, just with the Holy Spirit leading, we find people who um, are saying no to some of these questions, but they're lingering around. Oftentimes, it's, it's just great to just go through the card anyway. Um, and they'll usually visibly show if they're just not interested anymore because they think they've got nothing to be forgiven for.
3: And the only one time I've had to stop the conversation at that point was when someone said, um, there'd be nothing in the backpack. And I said, oh, really? You don't, you don't think everyone's done something wrong? And he said, well, what do you mean by wrong? <laughs> and I thought it was hard to explain a bit. And he was like, I'm not sure I agree with your uh, understanding of objective moral values. And I was like, OK, right. Um, you know what? We'll follow this up privately. I, I gave him my number, and I've been chatting to him recently about it, um, uh, sending him articles that I find <laughs> that are way over my head. But <laughs> um yeah, most of the time people will say there's something in there, even if they think themselves better than an average person, which some people do.
0: Yes. So obviously for those who haven't done this before or aren't as familiar with it, underneath the use the car yes. to go through this. Does that break up the flow a
3: little bit? Does it kick away? How, what's your experience in that? When when we started we definitely were just kind of reading it. Um and through doing it a lot, we have just memorized it. Um and that, that I guess that does make it flow a little bit easier but I've never seen it be actually a barrier. Uh, yeah, I mean, some people will quite openly just be like, this, this is a pic." I'm actually reading this script and they'll talk to the other person, I'm just reading the script, I'm learning how to do this myself. And they'll just sort of laugh about that and then go through it with them like that. Um, or you can just sort of keep looking down at it and then looking up and then looking down at it. And to be honest, I guess because the powers in the message, people seem to resonate with it still. It doesn't seem to put people off. If they've stopped enough to sort of stop and listen and chat to you, usually they'll they'll go through it with you, whether you're reading it or whether you're um, you've got it memorized yeah yes um, we, we don't fly them out <laughs> but uh, but yeah some people do uh, at the end of the conversation they'll be like can I have that please and then we're like yes of course <laughs> um, we're not going to hold on to them um, we had one lady who said she wanted to put it in a frame in her house <laughs> um, yeah do you want to add anything yeah, so. Yeah. so we hand that out if people want it but otherwise we don't fly them yeah Yes.
1: That. That okay? Yeah? I
4: just say I practice it through, through like, like, so people, like friends, if you want to practice through, just go
1: through it kind of in your head, and you get through like, the and you're like oh, no, and you're like, okay. and you like maybe like heading out and on your way, through, really through
4: Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's really good. Thank you. Uh, sorry, yes? Um, I've just been thinking about the actual uses of, of the words
1: themselves. I'm wondering whether, have, have you chosen to use the word sin deliberately? Because my natural explanation would be to say things you've done wrong. Yeah.
0: That is a great question, and we're just going to say thank you to these guys first. Thank you so much, friends. That's brilliant. I'm aware that I'm aware that this sem- the seminar one slot is kind of ending now-ish. I'm um, happy to take any more questions for anyone who wants to stay and ask questions, but then anyone else, just wanted to l- let you know that if anyone's dashing off, um, but obviously those who are staying for the ministry on the street, stay. Um, but the, the question about sin, um, I reckon 95% of people on the street don't have a problem with the word sin, I think it's, you know, we, we often think about it a lot in church and, and, and we go deep into it and all that kind of stuff. I think most people I've met colloquially in Nottingham, they would like, oh, I, I, exactly what you said. People think it's the wrong stuff I've done. So sometimes I'll say sin, sometimes I'll just repeat it. Oh, like the wrong stuff you've done. So, yeah, 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 but that's a great, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. Any other final questions? As some people might be leaving, feel free to do that if you're not going to come out on the streets. But any other questions about the card um, before we start talking practically how we're going to do it as a group? Yes, if you want to take your card from the training, that's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So why don't people go? If, if you're not going to come out on the streets, why don't you feel released to go? Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. And then people that are staying here, you'll be the group that we'll, we'll chat a little bit more with and then, and then head out. So just take a, a minute or two.